Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 68, where we talk about the roller coaster. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host for today. And today is the day I get to tell you about some updates um, on exactly what's been going on with my business. And we've kind of been following this crazy ride. Today, I call it a roller coaster. Um, if you've been listening to the other podcasts that I've had in the past week, you'll remember that this past week we had three days, uh, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, where we were lucky enough to have the Superboat World Championship races in town. And I was lucky enough to be able to go down and uh, run my food cart all day long during those days. And so today I'm going to give you some updates about that and tell you what's going on and not just what's going on, but also some, some things I've learned and uh, just, you know, really try to get you up to date on where we are. And then I've got some things going on beyond that that we'll talk about later on in the week as well. So first of all, um, I wanted to tell you that... Um, I, you know, last week we, you saw the, me run the gamut of emotions, uh, very high and very low, and uh, it's it's just the way life is. I mean, I can't apologize for that because that's unfortunately real. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, I think it's not unique to me. It's everyone goes through highs and lows no matter what you're doing. I mean, I can remember at points and times in my life whenever I've gotten different jobs and I thought, Oh, this is going to be the perfect job. It's perfectly suited for me. And you go in and you get on the job and like, you know, the, there's that honeymoon period where everything's perfect and everything is so nice. And then there's that day, that day that you wake up and you go to work and things are different. And suddenly you're like, I can't, I can't even imagine myself doing this for the next 30 years or maybe 40 years. I mean, now who knows when will any of us will be able to retire. And then you start looking at the job very, very differently. And um, so, I mean, it, it's it's not unique to a business owner. It's not unique to any one single person. We all have the roller coaster emotions. The honeymoon only lasts so long. And then you're along for the ride, the ups and the downs. So I went out last Wednesday, and I told you how uh, it was a, you know, it was not a terrific day, but it was... Oh, I, I guess I spent, you know, 10 hours or whatever out, out at the pier um, vending and was able to, I, I probably made about $100. And during that day, I was able to get some feedback from one of the other vendors that she thought that my pricing was too low. I was selling bottled water just like everyone else, but I had like Dasani, which I guess is a, a higher end brand than just like the old Zephyr Hills or whatever, you know, uh, Nestle or whatever kind of other water they were selling. Not that, I, you know, when people want bottled water, most of the time they're not real specific about it. They just are thirsty and they want water. So they told me the feedback I got was that I was selling my bottled water for a dollar a bottle and everyone else was selling it for two dollars a bottle. And why shouldn't I get 
that same, you know, why shouldn't I get two bucks for mine as well? I was also, I strategically made a decision to sell bottles of uh, soda rather than cans. I knew from hearing people talk that other people were going to do cans. And I thought I would do something different. So other people out there, I figured if people got cans of soda, silly me, I figured they would sell them for a dollar a can, but they're actually were selling them for $2 a can. And on the first day, I was selling my sodas for $2 for a bottle, which had, you know, 16 ounces versus 12, plus it's a bottle versus a can. So I was kind of selling myself short without even really realizing it. And so I changed that for uh, Friday. I had Friday, I went out and I had with me, I had all of my snacks, all of my drinks. I had my cryo pop as well as I had made all of the bases to actually make ice cream and do the liquid nitrogen ice cream on the spot. So had my signage made up. Um, I offered, as far as the ice cream goes, I offered different flavors. I had vanilla, I had chocolate, I had um, island flavors like mango, pineapple, uh, key lime, and what was the other one? Coconut, coconut, yes, coconut. And so, and then I also had like some Heath Bar and some other kind of, you know, mix-ins that I can make into the, the vanilla base ice cream. So, Friday was a fantastic weather day, and by that I mean it was hot, it was 80-something degrees, the sun was shining bright all day long, and I sold and sold and sold, and finally it got to a point late Friday afternoon where everyone else on the, no one else on the pier had water, and so I was the only one that had water out there, so people kept coming to me for water, and you know, only one person said something about me selling it the previous time for a dollar, and now it's two dollars. And I just told them, you know what, everyone else on the pier thought I was trying to undercut their prices, and they kind of, you know, let me know. And so I changed my pricing. And so by that same token, I also bumped up the price of my bottled drinks for uh, from two dollars to three dollars. And nobody batted an eye at that. If they wanted a Diet Coke, I had taken the time to haul it out there, and I can guarantee you that there it's no easy task to haul out coolers full of bottled soda and ice that weighed 40 to 50 pounds each. I had dragged them all the way in there. I had, you know, was, was keeping them on ice. I was keeping them cold. And people would rather pay me $3 for that drink than walk four or five blocks up the street, miss the race, and get the same bottled drink from the drugstore and probably still pay almost $3 by the time you're, you add in taxes and all. So people were perfectly happy to pay whatever the price was. Now, let me tell you, this superboat crowd is a phenomenal crowd as far as tipping and as far as treating service people well. Um, these people clearly have a lot of money. Whenever you can buy these superboats and run them for no apparent, you know, no apparent reason, really, I mean, other than the thrill of it. Um, just to give you an idea, we, there was a, a boat that burned last week, one of these uh, these almost like cigar-type boats that uh, was just the pleasure boats that, are, that were in town for these superboat powerboat races. And the, the, the boat had 4,000 gallons of fuel on it. 
Now, 4,000 gallons of fuel, if you if you filled up with car-type fuel, that would be expensive enough. However, this was 4,000 gallons of marine fuel, which is, you know, pushing $5 a gallon, depending on where you get it. If you get it in a marina, I'm sure you're going to pay 5 bucks a gallon. So uh, if you get it at a gas station while you're still trailering in your, your boat, you could probably get it a little bit cheaper, dollar dollar less or something per gallon. Either way, it's an expensive an expensive endeavor and so uh, there were six people in the boat and the boat caught fire and burned for hours because of all the, the fuel on it so it is no cheap undertaking to uh, get these boats down here not just that but then you talk look at if you if you get out and look at these boats whenever they have them on display they have all these crazy it's not just like a boat trailer like you put your boat on a boat trailer they have all these crazy hydraulics on the trailers that the boats would be too wide to actually go in a lane um, on the back, you know, right in a car lane on the back of a truck uh, or on the back of a trailer. And so they do these hydraulic lifts, things that, that tilt it and turn it in such a way that it's tilted, you know, diagonally and all this other stuff, which makes it great for display as well. But you're talking about huge expenses with the trailers. And then not to mention, you've got to have your custom truck to... Um, pull these big boats and so I mean and you're talking about custom paint job custom chrome custom accessories I mean you're just talking about an unbelievable amount of money but here's the thing most of these people that are superboat fans and participants are also hard-working business people many of them own auto parts stores or they own uh performance racing type uh, shops where they, they do this. I mean, they're, they're actually working people that have made a lot of money and done really well. And those are the type people that most of the time really appreciate the servers and appreciate the service people that they deal with. And they love being able to tip well and to be able to kind of show off, showcase their wealth in that sort of a way. And so I would find that I would charge somebody $3 for a soda and they would give me five and say, oh, no, that's for you. Keep the change. Or I would charge somebody $6 for two and they would give me, uh, you know, seven or eight or something like that. And they just get used to giving, you know, throwing out those extra dollars as tips all along everywhere they go. And, you know, if they bought a hot dog at the stand three places down, they would tip that person. And then they come and buy their soda and they would tip me. And it just, it, there is a really, it was a, a great crowd um, for people like me who are serving them and providing uh, concessions and that sort of thing. So at the end of the day, it was like I said, it was a great day for the weather. And so I sold a good, good amount of ice cream. People commented on the ice cream. They loved it. They loved seeing it go from essentially just a base of ice cream to whatever they wanted, whether it was mango or pineapple or chocolate or whatever they wanted. They loved seeing the transformation, and they loved the fact that right in front of them, I was freezing it and making it ice cream. So then when it came time to eat it, they, you know, oh my gosh, this is the best ice cream. This is so creamy. Oh, it's delicious. And they, were, they would just rave about it because it was made specially for them. And you know what? Nobody batted an eye at the fact that it, it's it's eight dollars for like a mm, probably ten to twelve ounce cup of of ice cream. And it seems like you no, know, in in reality, that's probably expensive. Whenever you could go into the grocery store and buy a half gallon, or they don't even sell half gallons anymore, but the you know three quarters of a half gallon that everyone's moved to um, for less than eight dollars, right? 
you can do that. But it's not custom made for you. It's not made right in front of you. So people appreciated um, what what I was doing, and they under you know they understand whenever you have a product that's highly perishable, because any milk based product is, and uh, you have a product that's highly perishable has a limited shelf life. At the same time, you're custom making the flavors and whatever people want, and they're sitting there watching you make it. They don't mind paying for that. And even me as a kind of a, a tightwad consumer, if I was out somewhere and I saw liquid nitrogen ice cream being made to whatever flavor profile I wanted, I would probably also pay the $8 for it and, and enjoy it. So at the end of the day, I had made um, about $300 on Friday, which was a very good day. About half of that was drinks and water and that sort of thing, stuff that I wouldn't normally be able to sell at sunset. And the other half was my cryo pot and my ice cream. And so I thought, well, you know, that's a good day. The Sunday, I went out all day long. I got there about 9 o'clock in the morning. And we were having some difficulties with weather on Sunday and I had asked previously the day before would the races take place rain or shine and the answer was yes I'm like you know what I'm gonna be down there so I got down there and we were dodging clouds and dark clouds and patches of rain it had recently rained and um, races took place and then there was a break in the clouds and people started buying things and they made some ice cream and people started buying and uh, then before we knew it another bank of clouds rolled in and from that point on the temperature dropped and it got down to about 71 degrees and a fierce fierce wind and so what really happened is uh, during the the hours that we would have normally sold the most it was during the hours that you know people were not hot and thirsty because the sun wasn't out and they were actually getting out their jackets and their sweatshirts and their windbreakers and and that kind of thing to protect themselves and they stayed out and watched the races a few times we did dodge a few showers that came in and people would clear the pier and go into you know surrounding short stores and shops and restaurants and then once it cleared they came back out uh, to watch the races and um, it you know it wasn't a great weather day um, still uh, by the time it got there's a transition between daytime uh, what we can do during the daytime and then whenever we actually have to be there for sunset and at that time, the wind was whipping. There was the cloud cover had set in so hard that we knew it was not going to clear up before sunset. So essentially, there was going to be no sunset. I mean, I know it set, but we just couldn't see it where we were. Plus, the wind. Um, when you get that kind of a wind, for whatever reason, it makes people uh, in a hurry to get wherever they're going to get to get out of the wind. And so uh, the temperature was dropping, and we knew it was going to get even colder after the sun went down. And so I made the decision to go ahead and leave before or at the transition time before sunset. And that's the point, at time, at point in time I would have had to pay in order to be out there vending. Prior to that, during the day, I could be there all day long and it'd be completely free for me to be there and not have to pay anything. So I ended up making about $140 on Sunday, which again, you know, what do mostly to weather. Uh, there was more people at the races because it was the final day of the races. It was also the only race day that was traditionally on a weekend. And sometimes in areas like Key West and other uh, tourist type areas really one day of the week from the other doesn't matter um, even the people that have jobs have such weird schedules that many of them can be off in the middle of the week or in the middle of the day because they worked all night or they work on the weekends or whatever so um, but but having it on a Sunday did bring out more locals 
as well as um, there were just more people around in general because it was the final World Championship Day. So it could have been a star day, a red letter day, whatever you want to call it, um, if the weather had cooperated. Anyway, it, you know, overall, I'm extremely thankful. I feel uh, hopeful. I feel a little more um, uh, encouraged. I clearly um, have am, am doing some things right. I feel like I, I, I told you last week. I feel like I'm going to keep my. I'm going to go ahead and jury in the ice cream on not uh, next Monday, which is I believe the 18th or the 17th. Anyway, um, next Monday, and I'm jurying that in, and then from that point on, I will be able to begin selling that immediately. Although I'm kind of working on sneaking that in during the week this week because I think I might have gotten people immune to the used to the fact that I'm selling ice cream. And they're seeing it around there with, you know, with me. And so it kind of escapes people's mind that I didn't jury it in yet. They can see, clearly see that I'm making it and nobody else out on the pier is doing that. So there's no reason it's not going to be okay to jury that product in. But um, I'm just trying to... Um, you know, I guess whenever if I if they if somebody says something about it, I can clearly stop selling it until I jury it in, and it will be okay. And all of my product is has a, will last much longer than next Monday, so it's it's not not a problem. But I wanted to try um, to keep selling that along with what I was already selling because it gives me another channel for uh, revenue. And the fact that I'm selling it for eight dollars, it really you know, it makes a difference whenever I can sell three of them a night and be in the positive from my paying my rent, uh, my rent, my lease, whatever it is called. Whenever you show up down there, you, you have to pay $20 a night to um, set up a booth. So if I can sell three ice creams a night, I'm already in the positive, And then everything else after that is just paying for my, you know, the rest of my other hard costs and that sort of thing. Which, if I was only selling the cryopop for $5, I would have to sell four of those and I would just be at break-even point. So, you know, every little bit makes a difference that, you know, you don't really don't realize and you can't, you know, you cannot earn your living $1 at a time whenever you only have a few hours a night to do it in a limited amount of traffic. Um, I know convenience stores all over the places and grocery stores all over the place sell things for a very low margin and they can do that because they're getting the volume. You know, you go in and you might buy uh, 20 or 30 or, you know, items at a time and no one's doing that for me. They're buying one item and so it doesn't do me good any good to make pennies um, on that because I cannot make a living that way. In fact, even one vendor said, you know, down here, if you're going to be down here, unless you have a drink, um, you shouldn't be selling anything for less than $5. And that's kind of the general rule down there. So um, to, to do anything less than that, you cut your, you undercut yourself at the same time. Um, you're probably not going to make it. So just uh, I'm just taking in all the advice and uh, processing that. But the, the other thing I was going to um, say that I had learned, and, and one of the things that I – did not mention is I had my new sign come in that did explain cryopop more. It had uh, cryopop frozen caramel corn, and then I think underneath that in parentheses I had put caramel corn plus liquid nitrogen equals cryopop. And just you know to really try to explain it more, I put on there that it was a it's a Key West original, which it is because it's I created it right here in Key West, and so I um. 
tried to do more, you know, more explaining about that on the sign. So my sign came in, even though ultimately I'm going to need another sign because if I'm going to add my ice cream on and then I'm also going to have the kebabs that I normally, um, that I have, have been okay to sell, then I need to get it all on my signs. Uh, what I have found out is that when I have a big sign that goes across the top of my little booth, it's like a, a little house almost, uh, people look up there and they look and see that, but what they're missing is any temporary signage that I might have that might say, oh, I have kebabs tonight, or oh, I have ice cream, or oh, I have this, that, or the other. And so I need to get it all up there on the sign. And then, you know, it's like if I have something on the sign and somebody orders it, maybe I didn't bring my kebabs that night because I don't necessarily bring them every single night but I um, could always say I don't have them tonight or um, it also helps me know what the demand would be for that you know if I have 10 people come by and say I'd like to order kebab and I don't have kebabs that night then I, I that's a good indication to me that I should have brought them and that I need to, to do a better job of anticipating what's going on um, so my signage worked better for the cryopop and people were actually coming because you know because I was selling multiple things I could ask them, you know, when they stepped up, and, hey, how are you doing? How can I help you? What can I get for you today? And, you know, they had choices. They had drinks to choose from, they had ice cream to choose from, and they had cryopop to choose from. And many people were like, I'd like to try the cryopop. And they were calling it by name. And they, just like they already kind of knew what they were getting. It's weird. It's kind of strange because when you're in a situation where, like I am, where I'm set up in a stationary place on the pier, and people are walking through, and they're also kind of hanging out, like some of them will grab seats along the, the pier wall, and uh, they're walking through and trying to kind of wait out sunset and get their good spots. They will turn around and look and kind of scope out everything within their sight, and they'll see. So, you know, there there will be people that come up to my booth that I've never seen before, but they've spent the last 10 minutes over you know, off to the side having a discussion about what my product is with the people they're with, and they will have talked themselves into coming to try some or coming to talk to me about it, and they'll say, you've got me intrigued, I've got to try this. And I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, I've got you intrigued, I haven't, I've never even seen you before, but they've been sitting back there lurking, um, kind of reading my sign, trying to figure it out, and, you know, even watching what other people are getting. So, the signage is important. It's very, very important. You know, the interesting thing that I'm finding about signage, and um, it's, you know, it's maybe it's just one of those marketing 101, and I'm a person who, um, when I went to college, I had an education degree. I didn't take any business classes, and everything that I've learned about business, I've learned because I quickly transitioned after college from education to the business world, and I've just seen what other people are doing, and I've, I've uh, you know, seen what other, how other companies handled that I've worked for have handled their marketing and that sort of thing. Um, but one thing that kind of surprises me is that what I have noticed down on the pier is there are very few people that will absolutely put their pricing out um, on their signs. In other words, I mean, they might put it very small, you know, like uh, once you get up to the counter, you can see how much something is. But people, I mean, whether it's artists or whether it's crafters or whether it's food people, 
they do the best whenever the prices are not there. And and I you know I got to thinking about that because I've tested it both ways. And on the um, second and third day of being out at the superboat races, I did not have any pricing on anything because I thought you know if I need to change these, I don't want to have to keep making new signs. But that was the day I raised my price to two dollars for a bottle of water and three dollars for Kirk Hoax. And at the same time, my ice cream was eight dollars. And so what happens is. If you put your pricing out there, people can immediately use it as a disqualifying factor for buying your product, rather than looking at it and saying, I mean, if someone saw ice cream $8, they could immediately be having a discussion about $8 for ice cream. Why is her ice cream so special? $8, that just seems outrageous. I can't believe she's selling ice cream for that. But if I have them looking at my sign and saying made to order fresh homemade ice cream and I've got all of my flavors listed out instead of talking about the price of it they're then talking about what flavor they want and they're already making that purchasing decision in their mind by the time they get up there in fact most of the time people didn't even ask how much it was. They just said, I want to get chocolate, or I want to get coconut, or I want to get mango, or whatever it was. And, and, you know, I would make it for them, and they would see what all I would go through to make it, and then I would say that'll be $8 each. And there was a, t you know, there's several times where I had people that had bought three or four of them, and it was a $24, $25 order. Um, and those are, those are great orders. At the same time, if I had put my price up there, I wonder how many of them would have become buyers at that level. And so, I, you know, it's just one of those things, and it's not it's not trying to be tricky, because if somebody asks me how much it is, I absolutely tell them. I don't want them to, um, you know, feel like I'm trying to, to be dishonest in any way, but it's just, I would rather have the conversation, explain what my product is, and have the conversation with them, and have them have a chance to have a verbal interaction with me and meet me and let me show my enthusiasm for my product and explain to them how much it is but what all I do to make it than to have them read it from a sign and disqualify themselves because of the price before I even have a chance to uh, get any kind of interaction with them. And that seems to be kind of the pervading wisdom down on the pier. I'll, I'll keep testing it, but I think on my next signage, I am definitely going to not put any pricing. It gives me more flexibility, and I will uh, continue to see how that works. I don't think I'm going, I mean, if people want to know how much something is, and they're concerned about their price, or if they have enough cash, or whatever, I do take credit cards, uh, but I want them I, I just want them to, to fall in love with my flavors and want me to make them some ice cream exactly like they want it and exactly the flavors they want and they can have it exactly how they want it. So uh, that, that's what I'm wanting. And so uh, anyway, so at this point, I've got this whole week that I've got before I have jury next week to officially bring in the ice cream. I am taking the ice cream. I will be down uh, with temporary signage again. And again, I, I don't sell as much with temporary signs because a lot of people are looking at my cryopop sign on the, the you know, the big billboard on my uh, 
cart and not seeing the temporary signage. And so, but at the same time, I will go ahead and begin to get the signage made this week. So it'll be ready to go once I get the okay next Monday and I will be um, ready to sell it with all the signs uh, pointing to every single thing I possibly have and see, you know, let, let you know how that goes. So that's, that's where I am. I don't anticipate, I mean, it's going to be, we're still in a little bit of a uh, build up to the big big season as it's as it were and um, I don't expect to have really I mean I don't expect to have $300 days for a while but at the same time um, beginning very shortly we are cr the group of people that are down at Mallory Square at sunset are now going to have permission to be out at Mallory Square uh, creating what's called the Mallory Square artisan market any day there's a cruise ship in town and it will be put on the uh, you know cruise ship information and there will be some of us out there who will be working all day long and as far as costs go my cost is the same whether I go into Key West and stay there for on, on the pier selling for four hours versus whether I go in for 10 hours my costs are the same the only thing I'm sacrificing is my time now the good news is I can take my computer I can take my iPad and, and create a, a Wi-Fi hotspot that I can run my laptop off of and then I can get some work done if things are slow um, but there's no reason for me not to try that so maybe on some of those days when I'm doing a full 10 or 11 hour day I can uh, have those big days and I'm hoping to be able to uh, you know crack through that ceiling and, and have those to make up for the days whenever I'm only making you know go down there and spend all the money just to make forty or fifty dollars and so uh, it will all even out over time so anyway I uh, just wanted to give you the update on what is going on and what has been going on and so you'll be able to follow my progress and I'll keep you posted uh, but it's a roller coaster ride so uh, we had some upswings and some some uh, low valleys uh, through this past week but uh, we're hanging in there continuing to reinvent continuing to try uh, different things and different items and continuing to try other things uh, with products that are hopefully going to sell uh, and we'll, we'll definitely uh, We'll definitely, we'll definitely hang in there. I'm not not ready to give up yet or anything like that. So uh, I'd love to hear any ideas you have, any great revelations that might have come to you. Feel free to get in touch with me. You can find me at uh, cryopop.com or brickandmortarreporter.com. You can also find me on Facebook under Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast or Cryopop Key West. Uh, you can tweet me at cryopop. Key West or at BAM Reporter. Now, the other thing you can do to do me a favor is if you are listening to this on any kind of podcast player on your mobile device, which most users do listen mobily, mobily, I don't know if that's even a word, but you listen on their mobile devices, and um, the, if you could just subscribe to the podcast on that uh, device, whatever you're listening to, and, and uh, that will help us get seen and heard by more people. So we're always in the quest to find more listeners that can be be helped and be inspired by the story that we're sharing. So anyway, thanks so much for coming along for the ride. I appreciate it. I hope you have a good week, no matter what roller coaster you're on. And uh, I look forward to having you join me on the rest of my ride as well. You guys have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. 
So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local. 